started. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the blessed opportunity to be able to gather in your house and to study your word. Help us now as we get into it. Let us understand it and share it with others. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of Revelation, we will turn to Revelation chapter 21. One of my favorite sections because it speaks of what we as born-again Christians have to look forward to. It speaks of the new heaven, new earth, and it speaks of new Jerusalem and, and so forth. It's awesome that He has so much in store for us and we know it's truly by grace that He he has done all this for us and is doing and will do things for us. So let's get right into it here in Revelation chapter 21 where it reads, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. This verse right here is a very important one because it tells us that it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, not a refurbished or remodeled or restored earth. We know that the Lord is going to restore this earth to its perfection to be used during the millennial period for that thousand years. But we also know at the end of that thousand years that He's going to completely destroy this earth. As it says over in Second Peter chapter 3. Let's look at that and we can see the description of the destruction of the existing earth. Everything in its existence being taken away completely. As it reads in Second Peter chapter 3, pick it up verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The elements, that's the very particles that everything is made up with. It is seen then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. Notice he includes here about the heavens being dissolved. That's talking about the entire universe, the entire cosmos, everything that Jesus Christ spoke into existence at the very beginning of the six days of creation. He's going to basically vaporize it all, melt it all down into the elements. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. That fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. It doesn't say with a remodeled or restored, but a new one. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. When you're found without spot and blameless, that means you've got to take care of, you're washed in the blood, that means you're one of the family of God. Now, we know this is all going to happen in so quickly as well. Because as we read back over in chapter 20 of Revelation, in verse 9, we see the source of this heat. And it reads, And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So fire came down from heaven to devour them. So the source of the heat is God Almighty 
And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Talking there again about the destruction of it, about all going away. And there was found no place for them. So that's speaking of the total elimination of all the physical world that we know here in all, in, in all existence. So now let's return back over to Revelation 21 and read this again. Verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. He includes in there there was no more sea, so people wouldn't confuse it for the destruction of the world during the great flood. Because all the landmass was destroyed by water, it was overwhelmed by water, covered with water. He wanted to include here, making sure people knew that this was going to be a complete destruction. Even the oceans and all were going to be eliminated. In verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And that's awesome that we're going to have that glorious body that he tells us about, that we can read about and receive it in that moment in a twinkling of an eye and take that body and be with the Lord and a new creation and be like the Lord as he tells us about as well, that we will be seeing Jesus Christ and be like Jesus Christ. So whatever form he chooses to be in for eternity is going to allow us to be in that same form and be on this brand new earth and brand new heavens, everything created brand new again in its perfection and a big, huge, beautiful city that he describes further as we go along. And that will have no tears, and will have no death, no crying. Now you may wonder, how can we be without tears and without crying when we're in heaven and we see that there are some folks that we knew, maybe even some family members, that didn't make it? Wouldn't that put in your mind or, or lead you to believe that that would make you miserable for eternity knowing that somebody you loved and didn't make it. I don't know how that he's going to do that. I just know he promises that he is going to do that. That he is going to give us that comfort. That even in that kind of a situation, knowing that some of the people that you liked or loved didn't make it, that we will not be concerned about that. How that works out, like I say, that's up to the Lord but we can trust that He's going to comfort us and wipe away all our tears, even such tears that we'd have for someone who didn't make it. As He finishes there, for the former things are passed away. The former things, all of that, all gone. And He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He didn't say, I renew or restore all things. He said, I make all things new. So everything He recreates is, is going to be created new, brand new, in its perfection without the corruption. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. 
I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. That's salvation, freely. The gift that's there, there for the taking. Just reach out and receive it. He's got it held out to us. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Sons and daughters, of course, family of God. The overcomers are those that have overcome sin by trusting in Jesus Christ and being washed in the blood. They are the overcomers. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Which he described that judgment in chapter 20, verses 10 through 15 there, about how they'll be judged for their works and thrown into that lake of fire, because even death and hell will be cast into that lake of fire, where the Antichrist, false prophet, and the devil are going to be. So all that cast into that lake of fire. And it's described by the Lord as outer darkness, where there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You think of fire as having light, but this darkness comes upon someone, just like if you're a blind person, you don't see light. So this darkness is part of the punishment. So it isn't going to be able to, a bunch of people gathering together and, and celebrating being in hell together, like you see some of the bizarre images and so forth that they'll rule in hell and all these. No, you're not going to be able to associate and interact with others. That isolation is part of hell. And in verse 9 of chapter 21, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. So now he's getting into showing him some details about the city that he just saw coming down. So he's going to be able to get a closer look and hear a little bit about it. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now there's a very important point in verse 10 here that he was carried away in the spirit on a high mountain. So that gives us a little clue of what new earth is going to be like. There are going to be high mountains on the new earth. Some have speculated that it was just going to be the, the New Jerusalem and that's all. You stay in New Jerusalem, that's it. But here we see that there are mountains. So that means there's going to be a, a brand new earth, a huge earth. How big is going to be? We don't know. It might be a million times bigger than the one we got right now. But it's going to be perfect and it's going to have these these landscapes of the perfection and beauty of God's design. And this great and high mountain is where John is able to stand and see because this is a future vision that he has given of what we have to look forward to for the future. Verse 10 again, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, 
and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The twelve apostles. There's speculation on who these twelve are going to be. The original apostles included Judas Iscariot, which became a traitor. So you wouldn't think that he would have be honored by having his name on this. And then after the ascension of Jesus Christ, the disciples, the apostles that were left behind, they were there waiting for the indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost, were wanting to replace Judas, so they chose Matthias themselves to be a, a replacement. But you don't hear anything that he had done in all the writings. But the Lord called Paul to be an apostle on the road to Damascus to be the apostle to the Gentiles and sent him out. So many believe it's going to be Paul will be that twelfth on there. I lean more toward that because the Lord chose the original twelve and he chose Paul as well. As it continues in verse 15, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. Like we would know a yardstick. It was a measuring stick. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Now, 12,000 furlongs has been translated as being 14 to 1,500 miles. And this four squares talk about a cube. So the, the area is going to be like a cube, a square, a block, and it's going to be 1,500 miles tall, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles in length and breadth and height, all equal. As it continues, and the measure, excuse me, verse 17, and he measured the wall thereof an hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. Here, a lot of speculation on what this height is. If you look at the typical cubit, it is roughly 18 inches. And that would measure out to be about a 200-foot wall that's around this at the lower base there. But it depends because it says, to the measure of a man that is of the angel. Of the angel. Now, a cubit is the measurement from the tip of your finger to the tip of your elbow. So when you flatten out your hand and you measure from your elbow to the tip of your finger, that is considered a cubit. That's the way they would do measurement back then. But you have different cubits for different people. My length of my cubit on my hand is roughly 19 inches. But you have others that is the 18 like it is. You have others that are longer and others that are shorter. So we don't have the exact measurement. But it's not important that we have the exact measurement. He's given us this general idea of what it looks like, how big it's going to be. So don't get too hung up on that. As it continues, And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. Another interesting description. Clear gold, like unto clear glass. Now, does that mean that it's transparent? 
that you can actually see through the gold. And if it's gold, gold you cannot see through. So why would it be considered transparent glass? Some have interpreted this as meaning glass is so smooth, so slick, and so shiny, like the image that he had of that sea before the throne, that that gold is going to be so smooth, but it is going to have the color of gold. As it continues, And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth a chrysophorus, the eleventh a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. When we come into a temple, we're coming into the house of God, we're coming in to be connected to God, and this is going to be able to be done right face to face, so there's no need of a building like that. Verse 23, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Many have taken this verse concerning the sun and the moon and said that there's not going to be a sun and a moon in the eternal state, that there's not going to be one in existence in the future. It doesn't say that. It says that the city has no need of the sun and the moon. Now, we've done read over and over about how he's going to create everything anew. Everything, which means the sun and the moon. A new sun and a new moon. So, there is going to be a sun, there is going to be a moon, because it doesn't say that there isn't. But it does say that the city has no need of that light, because God is lighting that light of that city. Jesus Christ is the light thereof. So, it doesn't need the sun or the moon. Therefore, 24 hours a day, continuous time within the city will be lit where people can enjoy worshiping the Lord all the time. That's what it's representing. Verse 24, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Notice, there's nations and there's kings, and there's people coming into the city. We already know about the gates, the 12 gates. So if you've got a gate, that means something you go in and out of. So you'll be able to go out of the city, go on to the big beautiful earth, interact with all the wondrous creatures in their perfection with no curse, wondrous mountains and valleys and rivers and lakes and oceans, all that out there to enjoy. And there will be nations, and they will be ruled by the people that have earned the positions to rule those. Because he tells us we're going to be given assignments as priests and kings. These are some of those king positions that you have earned because of your work in this lifetime and your earned work for the time during the millennial period. Once again, verse 24, And the nations of them which are saved 
shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, no night at the city. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, nor maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. They're the only ones that are going to be enjoying this blessing, the blessing of the new earth, a new heaven, all new creation, no curse, wondrous city to be able to come into, big enough for millions and millions to come into and worship the Lord at the same time. Roll right into chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. A river, flowing river. A river flows all the way until it gets on another river and it joins another river and they come together to make an ocean or a lake. So we know this river is going to be flowing out, out into the big beautiful earth, right on over to the, the perfect oceans and so forth. People to think that it's just going to be in this box floating around in nothingness for eternity are very limited in their thinking because there's so much more of that. So much more to that than just a big box to float around and sing songs to the Lord in. Reason he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. No curse. That means everything that happened to this planet, everything that was a part of the curse, Every mutation, every alteration of creation that was a result of the curse will not be enacted, will not be a part of the new creation. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, no night at the city, there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. God is going to reign forever and ever in His big beautiful new city, on His big beautiful new earth, with everyone that loves Him and that He loves. Verse 6, And He said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Now these words here, shortly and quickly, have gotten a lot of people confused. They have resulted in many scoffers. They have resulted in the scoffers that we, we read about or could read about if we backed up a little bit more there in Second Peter chapter 3 the scoffers that are willingly ignorant. As he said there in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and into water. They were willingly ignorant of all that the Lord has done 
and is doing. And as he tells us, there'd be scoffers coming in the last days. And that we know that the Lord is patiently awaiting because it says there in verse 9 of Second Peter chapter 3, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why He's still waiting. But when He comes, it's going to come quickly. It's going to be coming so fast that many are just going to be overwhelmed and it's going to transition so quickly. That's what it's speaking of, suddenly. And shortly or quickly in our eyes, even if it was speaking of a moment in time, Jesus Christ spoke time into existence. A thousand years is as a day, as a, a day is a thousand years, as he says over there in Second Peter as well. So he's outside of time. He's waiting, patiently awaiting for more to come before He makes that final move. Because He loves us. Verse 7 again. Revelation chapter 22, verse 7 reads, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Keep them. That means you've got to study them, you've got to learn them, you've got to hold on to them and know them. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. Just like before when he started to kneel down and worship one of the ones that was giving him these messages, he's hearing that same message from them saying, no, I'm your fellow, fellow brethren. I'm right there with you. So we don't know exactly who this messenger is, but apparently it's not one of the highest ups. It's not one of the archangels because they would not be calling themselves a brethren to a human. They are celestial. They are different from us. So this is probably one of the other apostles of some time in the past that have been given this blessed opportunity to do this and be a messenger of God at this point. Verse 10, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Now you remember earlier in our studies, he was given that little book and he was told, to consume it, to eat it, and then not to share it. And that was things that will be revealed to the people only during the tribulation time, only during the fulfillment of the last days will that revelation be revealed to them. So these things here that he's telling to share so we can be ready for the next step. And then verse 11, a very interesting one here. It's talking about the finality of this point. It reads, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. See, that doesn't apply to us now. We're given a great commission to go out to help convert people, to get them out of their unrighteousness. Here he's talking about once this is finalized, once he says it is finished, that's it. 
there's no other chance of coming out of hell and getting forgiveness. It's final, is what he's saying. How you are at that point is finalized. And then highlighted in red here, the words of Jesus Christ, And behold, I come quickly. Now here again, you look at that word quickly, it means very suddenly. When it happens, it's going to happen quickly. And my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. And that's inspiring there. Letting us know that everything that we do for the Lord is going to be rewarded. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs, and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David." and the bright and morning star. And the spirit of the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. It's out there, it's available, so come on in and receive it. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. For if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. That's damnation into a lake of fire for eternity for those that go up against God and his word. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so... Come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So much to look forward to. So let's get ready and share it with others as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for this journey that we have made through the entire Bible. We know it's taken quite a while. We're looking forward to starting it over and going through it once again. And always be with us as we read your word to understand it and share it with others as well. We know these prophecies and, and see the signs. We know it can't be much longer till you return, but help us all be prepared and help all of us have that motivation to go out and help others be prepared as well. Thank you all so much for all of it as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.